This is a special Walker Cup episode. The Back of the Range Golf Podcast will introduce you to the finest amateur golfers in the United States. Some have competed in major championships, others have won USGA titles, and many have been named All-Americans. The one thing they all have in common? They all want to be one of 10 men chosen to represent their country at the 47th Walker Cup matches at Royal Liverpool Golf Club. This, this is, is The, the Road, Road to, to Hoylake, Hoy presented by AmateurGolf.com. And now your host, Ben Adelberg. Welcome back to The Road to Hoy Lake, presented by AmateurGolf.com. I'm your host, Ben Adelberg. Glad to see that everyone is getting excited about the Walker Cup that will take place next month. Lots of great feedback from all over the world. Listeners in Canada, Ireland, here in the United States, and yes, we have listeners in Hoylake that are getting prepped for the Walker Cup. It's the week before the U.S. Amateur at Pinehurst, so we're going to get some more episodes out this week, and as I said previously, they're coming fast, so I hope you enjoy them. Once again, this episode features two more amateurs on the shortlist to make the United States Walker Cup team. Casual golf fans are just now learning about Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland and their ascension to the PGA Tour from Oklahoma State University. But you're not the casual golf fan. You're listening to a Walker Cup podcast. You know that Hovland and Wolf were the one-two punch on the Cowboy Juggernaut that won the national championship last year and made a deep run at a repeat this year. While they got a lot of the press, and deservedly so, the rest of the starting five was just as important. Players like Zach Boucheau, Hayden Wood, and the only starter returning to Oklahoma State next year, Austin Ekro. Austin qualified for the U.S. Open this year at Pebble Beach and has been a consistent performer over the last two years and is looking to bring a little bit of Stillwater across the pond. I also had a chance to speak with Stephen Fisk from Georgia Southern. He just wrapped up his collegiate career by finishing runner-up in the stroke play portion of the 2019 NCAA National Championship. Wolf captured the title, but there was Fisk, showing that he belonged in the Walker Cup conversation. He's a first-team All-American, Sunbelt Conference champion, and won four consecutive tournaments in the fall of 2018. As the number ninth-ranked amateur in the world, don't be surprised if you see him at Hoylake. You know the drill. Make sure you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get the latest episodes in this series, and make sure you're following the action on AmateurGolf.com for in-depth information during the upcoming weeks. All the social media links, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything you need to know is at thebackoftherange.com. Before we get to our conversations with Austin and Steven, let's welcome back Julie Williams, Managing Editor at AmateurGolf.com, to get some additional thoughts on these two American hopefuls. Julie, how are you? Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, we're doing this every week, doing this every episode, so to speak. And um, we just had this, this marathon event known as the Western Amateur, and you know, we were kind of speaking of all these guys on the short list that are going to make a move and really kind of separate themselves from the from the pack, and then a mid amateur goes ahead and wins it. So, what what happened at the Western? Well, not just a mid amateur, but a Canadian mid amateur. So that does that neither doesn't, team doesn't help. Good. That doesn't help. What what's what is Garrett Rank thinking? That doesn't help us at all, does it? It doesn't. But man, what a cool story! I mean, I'm I'm 32. He's 31. So I mean, I think that's. I think that's a great story. And, 
in in light of Garrett winning, you know, we went and did some research and and looked how long it had been since a mid amateur won some of these major amateur events. So it's, I mean, it's very, it's a rare thing, but. You know, I, th- I think it was a cool story. No, absolutely. I, I little postscript to to that is the only U.S. mid amateur that I ever qualified for was in 2012, Conway Farms, and I do remember for some reason I'm on the putting green and I struck up a conversation with none other than Garrett Rank, and we're just talking about you know the course and this and that, and clearly that conversation spurred him onto this victory seven years later. So I'm glad that I could clearly, some, clearly somehow I could help out Garrett Rank. But yeah, it's an awesome story, and and hopefully, um, uh, hopefully we'll be able to speak with him at some point. But let's actually discuss two more of the guys that are on the short list that are still grinding away, trying to position themselves. We're going to uh, have Austin Eckrote and Stephen Fisk on this episode. So let's start off with maybe the more well-known of the two, just because basically, uh, you know, Austin's been at Oklahoma State National Championship last year, right on the cusp this year. So tell me what you know about Austin Eckert over over the time you've been at AmerGolf.com. Well, first of all, I think we are going to hear more about Austin Eckroat in the coming season because he is going to be the anchor of that Oklahoma State team that played so well this past season. Most of those guys have either graduated or turned professional. So I think I think we're going to hear a lot more from Eckroat. But I mean, he was the only guy not named Matthew Wolf or Victor Hovland to win an individual title for Oklahoma State last year. Yeah. And I think he probably flew under the radar. It, we probably didn't even realize how talented a player he was because Wolf and Hovland got a lot of the headlines that were associated with Oklahoma State. But he was right behind them in terms of you know scoring average. He was the third best scorer on that team. He was a U.S. Open qualifier. And, and I would say what's interesting a lot of times to talk with players on any team that's very good, like in Oklahoma State, just the experience of playing with those guys. I mean, just in qualifiers and practice, just going out to Karsten Creek and messing around and hitting shots in the short game area. I would say that Austin Eckroat's game grew a lot this year, just sure. having access to those guys. And I think Alan Bratton, the Oklahoma State coach, is a guy who would really know how to leverage the experiences that Wolf and Hovland were bringing back. Every time they're playing in tour events or every time they're winning or they're going to a black tie dinner for the Ben Hogan Award, I'm sure he's bringing them back and you know, he, those guys are talking about it to the rest of the team. So I'll be interested to see how much better Austin Eckrow plays next year. But, I, I, you know, somebody who's under the radar, definitely that guy. Well, the thing that I also like about Austin and, and, and speaking with him is he knows exactly, just like you said, he knows the attention that Wolf and, and Hovland have received. And I, I think after speaking with him, it really did drive him to accomplish a lot of things on his own. He was, he was runner up. I think he lost the Oklahoma State Amateur this year in a in a playoff to actually yep. an incoming freshman at Oklahoma State. He qualified for the U.S. Open, which Wolf didn't didn't do. So he's actually doing a lot of things individually. But it sounds like he is just. I think he's kind of ready to kind of get out of their shadow, so to speak, and then lead that team, like you said. Yeah, it does make you wonder on what level. Did he feel that drive and that burn a little bit to, you know, I want to be in those guys' shoes. Yeah. So that's great insight on Austin Ekro, definitely one of the more well-known players on the shortlist, short list, especially coming out of Oklahoma State. So let's actually get your thoughts on maybe one of the lesser-known players 
uh, on the Walker Cup shortlist, Stephen Fisk out of Georgia Southern. Yeah, Stephen Fisk would definitely be uh, an under-the-radar player who probably not a lot of people are familiar with. Um, he did an excellent job with his leadership role at Georgia Southern this past year as a senior. That team got to the national championship as a team for the first time in a long time. I think that the players on that team kind of rallied around Stephen Fisk, uh, their coach, Carter Collins. The way he kind of explained that, he says, uh, Stephen is the sheriff. The other guys are his deputies. And they all kind of buy into that. Okay. So I think, I think um, you know, Stephen's very honest about his game, too. I talked to him in the fall. He was on this great winning streak. And we talked about where his game has progressed at Georgia Southern. He said, you know, he wasn't afraid to admit he had a little bit of a temper when he was a junior golfer. He said he came in as a little bit of a hothead. And he's kind of learned how to manage that. I think he's probably learned how to channel that into just being very competitive um, because he is that way. But he's also a really smart golfer. Uh, he talks about course management. I think he talked with the other guys on the team about course management, and they figured out that that was kind of a strength of his. You know, I think Fisk is someone who you maybe don't know much about, even though he went on a 59 watch twice in his college career. He didn't get 59 either time, but I mean, he has a crazy ability to go low, that's for sure. You know, for the layman that just looks at numbers and just looks at world amateur ranking points and doesn't know the player, uh, doesn't know maybe their their personal strengths or anything outside of just what scores they shoot. When I look at his ranking and, you know, he's the number fifth ranked American in the world amateur golf rankings, but a lot of his points are coming from college tournaments. You know, a good finish at the players this year, but, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, Western AM match play appearances or USAM match match play appearances. A lot of his points are coming from the collegiate events that he played at Georgia Southern in the Sunbelt Conference, which, you know, truth be told, it's not a Pac-12. It's not a Big 12 where you find Oklahoma State. So do you think that will have any bearing on his ability to get selected for this team? You make a really good point there. And if there's something working against him, that's definitely it. Uh, and I know, you know, this is only one start and, and you got to look at, you know, playing weekend, week out. And you're right that he's, you know, he's in a smaller conference and he's, you know, playing, you know, not playing in loaded fields. But I thought that it spoke really well for him that he finished runner up individually at the NCAA championship. So he beat every guy in that field, but Matthew Wolf on a difficult golf course, on a long golf course. So I think that speaks well for him and maybe is a little bit of counter to that argument that, you know, is he playing the best players every week? But, you know, it's those are, I guess, the conversations that the International Team Selection Committee has to have. And those are hard conversations. We're going to see what the U.S. Amateur looks like next week. Obviously, this week is the U.S. Women's Amateur. I know you have a lot of great information on AmateurGolf.com that I, I encourage every listener to go ahead and check out there and uh, we'll definitely catch up later in the week and i uh, appreciate you stopping by again julie yeah thanks for having me thanks julie for the insight look forward to speaking with you soon on the next episode on the road to hoy lake but let's get to our conversation now with austin and steven austin welcome to the back of the range golf podcast i appreciate the time how are you 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, the, the craziness of school is over. You're into the, uh, the, the dog days of summer, so to speak, trying to keep yourself busy as you're getting ramped up for, you know, a run at making the Walker cup team a run at the U S amateur. So what do you do to keep yourself busy? What has the last maybe month or so been like since, uh, since school and school ended for the summer, what have you been up to? Right. So right after school ended, um, or since nationals ended, we go after school for that. But, uh, I started at the, the U S open, um, didn't play too well, but you know, it was a good experience. And then, uh, no, I took a little time off from tournaments. I was supposed to play in the, um, um, the North and South am, but then I decided to, to take that one off. And then I've just been at home. I've played in the transmiss since then, but, Went to the lake for a little bit. That's kind of where I like to relax. But then been home getting ready for all that stuff as of the last few weeks. So pretty excited. Nice. And you have, uh, so you have your state amateur coming up at uh-huh. your, at your home course of Oak Tree. Um, yes. Yep. And so I, I guess I kind of wanted to ask you, you know, just to kind of give listeners a background, that's kind of what we're doing to try to make sure everyone understands who is kind of, you know, ramping up and putting themselves in the best position to make the Walker Cup team. You know, you're really no stranger to USG events. You're medalist in the 2017 U.S. Junior Amateur. But, um, right. you know, I'm kind of curious. You, you grew up in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is about an hour from Stillwater. Were you just, uh, you know, bleeding orange from your early days of junior golf? Or or how did how did the recruitment process or how did your decision-making process uh, lead you to Oklahoma State? I actually grew up a diehard OSU fan. Yeah, okay. I mean, <laughs> my dad was, growing up, was a huge OSU fan. He's from Tennessee, Oklahoma, which is about 45 minutes of Stillwater as well. And uh, I've had season tickets to football games for my entire life. We tailgated at every game, you know, and it just worked out really well for me that they're also very good at golf, so. Yeah, and then I was being recruited a little bit by Coach McGraw in middle school. You know, I took a couple of unofficial visits, and then Coach Patton took over, and then I ended up committing to him my freshman year of high school. You know, did it pretty early, but I didn't really think there was anywhere else I'd go. So it was a pretty easy decision for me, and uh best thing that I've done so far. So Yeah. And, and you know, you mentioned coach Bratton, we had him on the podcast last season and we've, you know, he's a, a tremendous, uh, um, gauge of talent because you, you won the, the state championship as a freshman and as a senior. And then you, you kind of led your, your high school team to three state team champions. So he obviously kind of saw yeah. something pretty, pretty darn early. Right. Um, so I, I want to ask you a little bit about Oklahoma state. It's obviously been in, in everyone's, uh, you know, it's captured everyone's attention, obviously, with, with the national championship last year, the great run you did this year. Uh, I, I'm kind of curious. I'm sure Coach Bratton, Coach Dar had had really good idea that it it's a very good chance that someone from Oklahoma State is going to find themselves on that Walker Cup team. You know, the Walker Cup has, you know, kind of a different format than just about anything else where obviously we do have the singles matches, but it's the, the partners are all alternate shot playing foursomes. Right. Is yeah, that, every time. yeah. Is that something that was ever brought into practice sessions at Oklahoma State? No, not really. We did do some match play stuff, you know, especially leading up to nationals or leading up to our big twelve match play event. Yeah, and uh, we'll do some match play stuff. And no, never really, never really do the alternate shot. I mean, it's different. I did at the Palmer Cup this year. You know, that's even, I mean, even harder with the way that it's the format is for that because you're playing. You know, I was the first round paired with. Uh, a girl named Malia. So we were 
you know, golf is, we play a completely different game, you know, okay. girls and guys, and, and I was afraid, like, she got a little upset, I don't know what to say to her, you know, like, <laughs> ah, I don't know if I should say something, like, if I was playing with Matt, you know, or one of my buddies, was, you know, I could easily, you know, press him or something like that and say, you know, pull it together or whatever, you know, I wouldn't have any yeah. issue doing that, but playing with a girl, I don't know, that was, that was odd. Yeah, because you, you don't know if you're, you don't want to say the wrong thing or just, you know. Yeah, yeah, not, I yeah. don't want to say the wrong thing, yeah, I don't <laughs> <laughs> So there, there have been several Cowboys that have been on this Walker Cup team, whether it's Jordan uh, Nibrugi or, or you know, Uline or Fowler or Hoffman. They've all been there. And, you know, the pedigree at Stillwater is is undeniable. Everyone knows, you know, the names, you know, Mahan and Bob Tway and Charles Howell III. I'm just curious. I know you've been able to pick their brains and gain knowledge for maybe when the day comes that you want to turn professional. But have they shared any stories with you about the Walker Cup? Not necessarily from those guys, but uh, Jonathan Moore played yeah. at Oklahoma State. I uh, was on the 2006 national championship. He played on the Walker Cup, and uh, you know, there's a poster of him in the in our locker room. That's him, like celebrating pretty specifully. Some he made the winning putt or yeah. whatever for the Walker Cup that year. I don't remember what year that was, but he was on the team with a couple teammates as well. So, you know, he's shared some experiences with that and how much fun it was. And um, so not really so much from the other guys, but you know, I see Jonathan more every day and. Uh, so he's, he's talked about it quite a bit. Everybody looks at, you know, on a resume builder, you know, a Walker Cupper. That's, it's got a, a ring to it, you know, kind of. Oh, absolutely. That's it. Yeah. So for the last two years, you know, Oklahoma State, I would say that more so than any other college program in the, in the country and, and perhaps even in history, maybe for the last two years, especially winning the national championship in 2018. And then you make the deep run this year and then you're on the golf channel show driven produced by, mm-hmm. by Ricky Fowler. Um, you know, you come in as a freshman and win a national championship. Do you remember maybe when the enormity of playing for Oklahoma, Oklahoma state might've first hit you looking back at, at just first getting on campus saying, okay, I'm here now. And uh, what was maybe your first taste of, okay, this is maybe a little bit bigger than I thought it was going to be. Coming into school, you know, I thought I was a hot shot. You know, I was coming in, I'm going to this thing. I'll be out here soon or whatever. And, uh, you know, I qualify a couple of times. I can start missing tournaments. Like, wow, these guys are really good, you know. But uh, eventually, yeah, I got in the lineup and, you know, we just kept winning and winning. And it was just like, wow, we're, we're good. And it, it was just something that kind of, you know, I always, it was, what was crazy to me is, in the way I try to explain it to my friends, is like, you know, the top five guys on the PJ Tour, normally they're playing well, but, like, all five of them don't play all that great every tournament. It was right. like, it seemed like every tournament we played, we had four or five guys that finished really high, and it was, for over two years, that was really cool to experience, and, um, you know, next year's going to be a different, it could be the same thing, but it's obviously, we're going to have to work a lot harder, and you know, kind of be an underdog, but you know, I still think we'll be pretty good. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, you're, you're referencing the fact that, that Matthew Wolf and Victor Hovland have gone on to, to the pro ranks and, uh, you know, they're going to be household names if they aren't already household names on the PGA tour, they rightfully so have, you know, garnered all that attention. And, you know, I guess for someone that's out on the outside looking in, they could think, well, okay, you guys just leaned on those two to, to carry you through. But, you know, in college golf, it's it's five players and four scores counting in stroke play. And then right. even in match play, you need three out of five to win. And I, I guess the reason I kind of wanted to bring that up is because, you know, no matter how dominant they were, you still needed the rest of the team to perform so you can, you know, win tournaments and win matches. 
And I yeah. guess the same thing could be said in the Palmer Cup or even in a Walker but Cup. Exactly. So, so I guess what are some of the things that you learned being on this team for the last two years at Oklahoma State that you perhaps brought to the Palmer Cup and could bring to the Walker Cup team? You know, I think you learn a lot. You know, college golf is different. You know, every event you're playing a stroke play event. And, uh, you know, you always want your teammates to play well, but, you know, you're kind of wanting to beat them the whole time. And, you know, you don't really learn the real, like, uh, kind of what you would experience in a Palmer Cup or a Walker Cup where you're like truly like, like you see them having a 20 footer and you're like, go, like you're like begging for it to go in, you know, right. kind of that mindset that you have until you get to those match play events where you're, like, I mean, I remember watching the last couple holes of the, match against Texas or this year or the year before, whenever you just had, you, you could watch a buddy and you were actually nervous for them, you know, mm-hmm. um, and what's it, you get that way in stroke play events too, but you know, you still, you want to be playing the best, you know, you want to be winning the tournaments, which, so I guess that that's something that you can bring to the work. You know, being in a, a situation where like I've experienced feeling nervous for other players, you know, and really, wanting them to do well. And that's something that you'll, you have to have for a Walker cup or a Palmer cup. So Walker cup. So you, you were not invited to the practice session in December and it's really interesting. I've, I've done, I've looked at the people that were invited. I looked at people that weren't invited and it's just, it's crazy how things jump up. And, and as far as like, uh, you know, world amateur ranking points, you know, right now you're 25th in the world, you're 11 on the, uh, you know, for the U S uh, list, so to speak. And, I think your world amateur ranking were the first week of 2019 was around 65. So things just fluctuate just up and down. So you weren't at that session in South Florida in December, but, uh, you know, Wolf was there. Um, did you get maybe any feedback from what he experienced and, you know, how did the fact that you weren't there or you know, someone that was there, a fellow teammate, how did that kind of, kind of maybe get you into gear for, for this, this six month push to make the team? Yeah, I mean, it was obviously disappointing, but I wasn't, you know, I was, I had no reason to be there at that time. Um, you know, I was playing poorly and, you know, but I, I got to talk to Matt about it. He said it was a lot of fun and, uh, told me about, uh, the captain and, and he, he really liked him and, you know, he was telling me, yeah, he kind of told me that I should, and something I, I, re- I really need to work for. So. I wanted to ask, you know, it's not going to be the first time that, you know, you've represented the U.S. You did Junior World Cup. You obviously did Palmer Cup, like we mentioned. And, yeah. gosh, you've played a U.S. Am, a U.S. Junior, a U.S. Open. Plenty of opportunities for first tee jitters. But representing your country, can you share a story maybe of first tee jitters at either Palmer or the Junior World Cup? Yeah, the Junior World Cup, uh, I was actually team with Matt And um, whenever... We got out there. That was a whole new experience. And, uh, sure. playing there, especially overseas, like it will be for the Walker Cup. Um, it's exciting. It's something that you don't really get to, to do very often. You know, it's something that, um, you know, everybody wants to do. And yes, being on the first tee at, in Japan, I remember I was just like, you know, our coaches kind of explained it to us, you know, how much it means to play in front of your country or for your country and, uh, getting to do it somewhere else, you know, kind of. I mean, I was so nervous and I enjoyed it. And we actually team played really, really well. We broke the record over there, I think, 36 under or whatever. And, uh, yeah, it's just something that's really cool and something that I really would look forward to doing 
Nice. It was a uh, pretty exciting. Your family's got to be tremendously proud of all of your accomplishments, both on and off the golf course, you know, all mm-hmm. American and national championship and then qualifying for this year's open at uh, Pebble beach. But can you maybe think or pinpoint maybe one person in your family that would maybe be a little bit more emotional than others if you had the another opportunity to to go to Hoy Lake and, and make that team? Oh, my entire family. Yeah, I've got yeah, it's my dad used to because I'm really level headed, I get nothing but really on the golf course I don't get upset or whatever. And my dad would be caddying for me and, you know, he used to be a little intense. It's like you don't care. You know, but uh yeah, my family is, I mean, they love it. And, uh, and I think my entire extended family would be there too. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I have a really good, uh, family support behind me and it's, it's pretty awesome. So you have, uh, so you've played the transmiss. You, you didn't do north south. You have, uh, you know, just a couple more tournaments. Obviously, the U.S. Mm-hmm. amateurs coming up. Yeah, um, Western Amateur as well. It's interesting. Some are taking different strategies. Some are not playing it to stay fresh for the U.S. Am. Some are kind of maybe backloading their schedule to kind of ramp up for everything. So do, do mm-hmm. you take any sort of a specific strategy or do you just kind of go with how you feel? Um, you know, because you, you're, you're pretty much. Um, you know, you're obviously, you know, you're looking at the numbers, you know, where you sit, you're not, yeah, yeah, so you're not in the top three, but you're also not way, way outside looking in. I mean, it's right there for you. So do you, you know, is that your strategy based on the courses is Pinehurst something that sets up well for you or, or how do you kind of look at the next two months and how have you put it together? Well, you know, I really don't like to play the game on rankings. You know, it's not something I've never really paid that close of attention to. I kind of just want to play when I want to play, you know, and. Uh, but this year I kind of have a little bit, nothing too extreme, but I have decided, you know, you know, play the big ones, you know, play where I feel comfortable and give myself the best chance I can. Um, you know, you have to play the Western and you have to play the USN. So those are events that, you know, you can't skip out on. And I love playing golf and I guess it's Michigan this year, but, uh, this time of year going up there is nice. And, uh, the USN is something that, you know, Everybody looks forward to it either way. It doesn't matter if you're playing for the Walker Cup or not. Sure. And um, not my state amateurs. Um, luckily, if I do well, it won't affect me on the rankings. So it's something I. These are the events that I like to play. Yeah, absolutely. When you got something like that, I, I keep thinking back to the fact that the winner, the winner of this year's U.S. Amateur, has. Uh, guaranteed tea times at the masters next year with tiger woods yes as i saw that i'm thinking oh my gosh because you know uh, i spoke with victor and i spoke with devin bling after the fact and i was just thinking to myself man there's going to be two guys just like that this august that are going to be standing on that first on that championship tee you know they 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 know they're in the masters both of them so that's i've always thought that the semifinal match of the u.s that has got to be i mean that has got to be the the worst Oh yeah, yeah. That's got to be. I haven't had it. Uh, haven't had the opportunity to experience it yet. But hopefully, if I do, it'll. <laughs> well, if, I, for, I, I yeah, bet it won't let us down. It, it, I think it'll be pretty nerve wracking. Yeah, forget this conversation. Don't th- like, damn it, Ben just totally talked me into this thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't hey, come th- on, man. yeah don't yeah, sorry, don't <laughs> think about that. Um, so Lynx Golf. Uh, you know, obviously the the Walker mm-hmm. Cup is over at Hoyleggett Royal Liverpool. Tons of history at Royal Liverpool. Uh, you know, the yep. very the match that basically birthed the Walker Cup was was there. Um, have you played much Lynx golf? What's been your experience? No, no, I've never, never. I mean, I guess I've played in like, you know, like Lynx golf in America, but that's not really 
I've never been overseas to play in uh, the European style of my sports or anything. No, just I mean it's gotta be pretty similar. You know, I had good shots to make it close. Um, but I, yeah, it'll be different. I hope I hope I get the chance to to play there. Well, um, Austin, I, man, I I really appreciate you taking the time. I I know it's a, a really uh, you know, busy and, and crazy part of the summer where you're kind of ramping up for all these great things with the Western and the USAM and then obviously the chance to represent the U.S. So I'm, I'm glad you could take the time to do this. You know, best of luck in, in the rest of the summer and hopefully we'll see you in Hoylake. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, Austin. Good luck to you at the USAM at Pinehurst and next season at Oklahoma State. Our next guest will be at the USAM as well. Let's welcome in the first-team All-American from Georgia Southern, Stephen Fisk. Stephen, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, you know, we're, we're trying to highlight a lot of the guys that are on the short list here for the Walker Cup, what they're doing this summer, what, they're, uh, what they've done for the past uh, several years to put themselves in a position to, to be at this spot. You know, you're currently ranked, uh, you know, eighth in the world. You're right around five, six, uh, you know, us ranked amateur in the, in, in the United States. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the last couple of weeks, what tournaments you've been playing in. Uh, you know, how's your summer gone since, uh, NCAA's ended? I played one, what was still a web.com event. Sure. Uh, about three weeks after NCAA's. And then I played the players am last week. So it's been pretty light for me just trying to you know, uh, backload the schedule a little bit with Western coming up and USAM after that. So I was trying to try and stay pretty fresh for the end of the summer and hopefully uh, make Walker Cup. And that'd be that'd be pretty cool. So I'd like to, you know, kind of be playing, rolling into that. Yeah. So so basically what you're saying is you're fortunate enough to have that that world amateur ranking that you don't feel like you're probably chasing as much as maybe some of the other guys. So you can kind of be a little bit more strategic and keep yourself fresh. Is that basically what your, what your goal has been? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I had some wrist issues in the, in the spring semester. So I was trying to give myself a little bit of time off uh, after NCAAs just to, to rest and try and take it as easy as possible. And, um, thankfully when I played well at NCAAs, it, kind of took me from maybe outside looking in to hopefully on the radar for making the squad. Um, but I honestly, I think the schedule would have been about the same either way, just from a health standpoint. Sure. You, um, so you grew up in Stockbridge, Georgia, and, uh, you know, I love the stories of how people get into the game. It's something it's actually, it's pretty consistent. First question I ask anyone that comes on the podcast and, uh, you know, we get all sorts of stories, you know, someone grew up playing baseball and someone just threw a club in their hands and all of a sudden they fell in love with it. People that grow up, uh, you know, grow up at a country club or get involved with a junior golf program. How did you get into the game of golf? Yeah. So, uh, when I was four or five years old, my parents built and, uh, co-owned a driving range and par three course. Uh, so I'd spend all my time down there. Uh, just practicing and, you know, playing the par three, sure. uh, pretty much all day long, uh, especially in the summers. And, uh, I actually didn't really go to, I guess what you would call a, a standard course, 18 hole par 72, uh, until I was about 14. I didn't really go out to one of those until, until I was about 14 on a regular basis. When I hear that, like your parents co-owned and built this now where your parents PGA professionals? Like, how did they decide to do something like this? No, uh, 
mom doesn't really play at all and okay. dad doesn't play much anymore, but he, uh, he played a little bit back then and he just, for some reason thought that there wasn't really anything like that around our area. It was actually a, a farm before, before the course was built on it. Um, okay. and, uh, they, uh, got together with, uh, the family that owned the, the, the farmland and, uh, that guy happened to be a little bit of a golfer too. And they just thought that it was a good business decision to try and open something like that up. And it, uh, it did really, really well for a long time. That's great. And it's, and it's called rum. It's rum Creek, isn't it? Yeah. Rum Creek golf course and driving range. That's awesome. So this is kind of like a tin cup kind of story where you're just hanging there and, you know, everyone knows you as the owner's kid. So everyone's kind of looking out for you and you're just spending time chipping and putting and playing on the bar three all the time. Yeah. Um, I don't remember a whole lot about it when I was young, but, um, some people come in, you know, 10, shoot, almost probably 15 years later now. And they'll ask about, Hey, how's that the kid doing that was down here all the time. And I challenge them to like closest to the pin contest on the driving <laughs> range or asking if they wanted to go play and, um, probably run my mouth a little bit, but there you go. Yeah, every once in a while somebody will come back in and my mom will, or my dad will be there and they'll be like, Oh yeah, I'm his mom or I'm his dad and uh he's at Georgia Southern now. Well, not anymore, but he's uh played at Georgia Southern and uh yeah, he's he's been down there for however long. So it's it's pretty cool. Nice. So you mentioned Georgia Southern and Georgia Southern basically finished the year ranked uh you know about fifty, fifty two in the nation. You had that great runner up finish as an individual uh, to, to eventual winner, Matthew Wolf, you had a great junior career. And, and I just, just want to know, like there's, you're surrounded there by Augusta and, and, you know, university of Georgia, Georgia tech, maybe some bigger named schools that people, if they're just kind of on the fringe of fringes of college golf, they'd recognize those names, maybe not recognize Georgia Southern. How did you ultimately decide on going to Georgia Southern? Honestly, Georgia Southern was just a really good fit for me. Um, coming out of high school, I, I really, I had a really, really great relationship in the recruiting process with my coach, uh, Carter Collins. Um, but I, I didn't have the greatest junior career. Uh, I didn't, and I didn't have a ton of options, um, for where I wanted to go. But even after, even with all that happening, after I visited Georgia Southern, I, I can confidently say that I think I would have ended up there or down here anyways. Okay. Um, no matter what type of offers I had or anything else, it really, really felt like home. And we have an unbelievable practice facility and access to anything we possibly want access to. Um, and then that relationship that I built with him was, uh, pretty good. So it, it worked out great. So I'm not going to ask you about the facilities because uh, I, I I know that they're fantastic from what I've what I've seen and read about them. Um, but tell me a little bit a little bit about the culture at Georgia Southern. If you're not on the golf course and you just have a free weekend, and you know obviously you know your your studies have taken been taken care of. You've you've graduated. You've spent your your time there. But uh, what were what's some of the things that you like to do on campus? Maybe what's the culture like at Georgia Southern that maybe someone that's not really heard a lot about the university would be a little bit surprised to hear? I don't know. I guess everything just moves a little bit slower down here. Okay. There's there's uh there's not too much going on. Uh, the I think the schools on the student population's about almost as big as the actual population of Statesboro. 
I don't know, man. There's not a whole lot that goes on. Everybody just kind of hangs out, does whatever. Nice. All right. So let me ask you a couple questions. We mentioned Walker Cup. Uh, it is definitely coming up uh, at Royal Liverpool over at Hoylake. When was it kind of, when did Walker Cup kind of first get on your radar as something that is a potential, something that maybe you're going to be going for? Uh, I mean, it's always something that you're aware of. Walker right. Cup's, it's a really big deal. But honestly, after my junior year of college, it was, I wasn't really on their radar probably. And um, to be honest with you, I didn't give it a whole lot of thought until probably after my fall semester of senior year. Um, Cause you had four, I, you had four consecutive wins in your fall season. So yeah, that, that's yeah. probably the big catalyst that got you on everyone's radar. And I know that, you know, they had the, they had the practice squad. Uh, they invited a, a practice squad to South Florida last December and, you know, you weren't there for that, but I'm, I'm kind of bringing that up because it just kind of highlights how things change so quickly. You have players that turn pro early, you have players that, you know, maybe were at that session that have fallen a little bit down the world rankings and then you vault up. When that was announced and you weren't on it, did that register with you at all? Or did, or did um, yeah, it was definitely something that I thought I might be a part of. I was kind of one of the bubble guys. Okay. Uh, when, when you, if you go back and look at the rankings. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah, there are definitely some guys that uh, went to the practice squad that decided to leave school early and turn pro, um, which, I mean, that helped me move up the list a little bit. Um, wasn't a huge deal. I know that the, the practice squad, thankfully for me, isn't, isn't the team itself. Right. Um, I'd rather make it on the team than on the practice squad. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that I'm able to continue to keep myself in the position I'm at or even improve that um, over the next couple weeks and really solidify my spot on that team. It's a, it's a really big deal. And um, I'm lucky enough to help put myself in a position where I, I do feel like I kind of, I mean, obviously the the committee can do whatever they'd like to do, but I feel like with where I'm at right now, I feel like I control my own fate just a little bit. Um, with with a couple good finishes in the next few weeks, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to trying to compete uh, the next few weeks and you know earn my spot on that team. Well, it's it's pretty damn impressive what you've been able to do. Um, you know, basically the first week of this year in January, you're you're ranked 39th, uh, you know, in the world, and you were the 17th ranked American. And, you know, as of this week, I mean, we're basically a month out from the USA and we're in the middle of July and you're six of the U.S. Uh, ranked number six with the U.S. guys. So it's just been an incredible jump up that you've done with the, the last six months, basically. Um, you know, the thing that I kind of wanted to to ask you about also just with the Walker Cup, the last thing that you're kind of gearing towards before the the team is announced is the u.s amateur you know i i know it's gonna be pinehurst this year i think everyone knows that and people are going to be watching it what 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 are kind of your thoughts going into the u.s amateur as for preparation for usam i i try and keep everything pretty standard no matter what tournament it is i'm just trying to get my body as ready as it can be to to play the best i can play that that week um work a lot on short game and uh, work a lot on putting and just try and be, you know, sharp around the greens. Cause I know that at some point there's probably going to be a day that maybe I don't hit it so good and I'm going to need 
need that aspect of my game to, you know, either keep me in stroke play or, you know, maybe try and stay in a match if I'm lucky enough to make match play. So that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at for it. Very cool. You know, after looking at video and seeing highlights of your game and your swing, you know, perhaps your swing isn't the most orthodox. And I found it a little bit interesting how you finish runner up to the guy that has a very unorthodox swing in Matthew Wolf, where to the point where it's like the it thing on Instagram or on social media for people to impersonate it. And I kind of found it interesting how you two finish one, two in that. I, instead of asking, you know, maybe who your instructor is or how your swing evolved, when do you think you truly took ownership of your swing and said, look, I don't care what people think about it. I don't care uh, uh, about maybe it doesn't look like this guy's swing or this, this person's swing. Have you kind of always had a sense of ownership of your, of your swing? Uh, I've never actually worked with anybody on, on my swing. Okay. Never, never had a swing coach or anything like that. I've obviously had, you know, friends or or a a random instructor, instructor or my coach just, you know, look at something every once in a while, but yeah, never, never always real, yeah, never a real formal lesson of any kind. Um, and honestly, I like, like we talked about earlier, I grew up on the par three course in the driving range Yeah. Uh, until I was 14. I mean, I'd go play tournaments other places, but that was where I practiced. I just beat balls all day and, um, just do what felt natural. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know that my swing was messed up until I was probably <laughs> well. No, wait a minute. Fourteen. <laughs> I didn't say your swing was messed up. I just said, um, yeah, no, I don't think your swing is messed up at all. It looks messed up, but I didn't even know. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't know what a weak grip was or a strong grip was, and until I was, I, don't know, I hadn't been in high school, and somebody asked me why I had such a weak grip. And I was, what are you talking about you're like i'm Uh, i'm grabbing the club hard it's not falling out of my hands i don't know what you're talking about yeah i none of that really i never really learned any of that i always just you know hit balls and tried to you know create shots and um just do like i said do what felt natural so that was that was it for me i mean i'm not going to try and swing like anybody else i'm just going to try and hit the golf ball the way i know how to uh so i think for a perspective like trying to say that i take ownership of it i mean there's, there's nothing else i can do with it except you know let everybody make fun of it every once in a while and <laughs> oh, um try and try and swing with a like with a strong grip every once in a while if we're messing around in our practice facility um who on but, your t- who who which one of your teammates has the best steven fisk swing impersonation uh Oh man! Now, are you saying that? Are you trying to rack your brain to find out one person that has it, or are you trying to decide which one of the many people have it? Man, I I don't know if anybody has it. I mean, they've definitely tried. It's funny, like if if they try and grip it like I do and try and swing it like I do, they'll hit it 120 degrees right or something. <laughs> um, and then if I try and you know have a strong grip um, and don't compensate if i just make my regular swing with a strong grip i mean i, I can't get a driver airborne right. it goes okay it goes 40 yards straight left into the ground um so that, that's pretty interesting we've we've spent a little we've definitely spent a little bit of time on the on the driving range working that out congrats on all your success at georgia southern and congrats on on you know runner up at ncaa's I know you got a great summer ahead of you. Obviously, be looking when the uh, full team gets announced. I know, uh, you, as you said, you weren't on the practice team, and that wasn't your goal. Your goal is to be on the USA team. So, 
congrats on everything and hopefully we'll catch up later this summer yeah thanks ben uh thanks for taking the time to talk to me and you know shed a little bit of light on all the all the amateur guys that are trying to make that team it's a it's a pretty special process and um, hopefully everybody that you get a chance to talk to has a has a good shot at making it hopefully we all get out to uh england together and tear it up and there you have it special thanks to austin ekro stephen fisk and as always julie williams from amateurgolf.com we'll see you next time on the road to hoylake here at the back of the range